Welcome to the One Program Podcast. My name is Kristen Edmiston, author of The One Book and creator of The One Program. This podcast creates a space for diving deep into topics surrounding all things business, leadership, and creativity. Hear from inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and innovative thinkers as we explore the power of one and overcome the overwhelm together. Well, hello and welcome again to another episode of the One Program Podcast. This is Kristen and I am so glad that you are here with me today. And do I ever have a treat for you? I have a guest that will move you to be a better person and will also just get that light inside of you burning so bright, making you want to help others and look at the world in a different way. So without further ado, here we go. Ashley Milkey is a registered psychologist, advanced certified grief recovery specialist, specialist and founder and CEO of the Grief and Trauma Healing Center Incorporated in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She is the exclusive Canadian certification trainer for the Grief Recovery Institute and a sought after international speaker, trainer and thought leader on grief. Ashley is also a business consultant with the practice of the practice where she supports and empowers heart-centered therapists to start, grow, and scale their private practices. This is amazing. Wait till you just hear all the details of what Ashley's up to right now. She was also honored to be named as one of the Edify's Top 40 Under 40 Class of 2021, a much-deserved accolade. Ashley has led workshops and training events for multi-million dollar corporations, professional associations, nonprofits, the City of Edmonton, the Government of Canada, federal penitentiaries, and numerous small businesses. Ashley is currently obtaining her Doctor of Psychology degree through California Southern University. She's one of the busiest women I know. There's no doubt about it. Ashley found her passion early in life following a difficult childhood overshadowed by her father's substance abuse and eventual suicide. Surprisingly, Ashley came to discover that her darkest and most painful period of life was in fact the very catalyst that uncovered her why for being and that is to serve others and create a safe space to explore life's most challenging questions. Ashley is a heart-centered and purpose-driven leader who instills hope and healing through her stories of resilience. Ashley's greatest empowerment comes when she is able to connect with others and help them find the resilience of hope that can empower them the hope that can only be found in the midst of great challenges and journeys through grief. This is Ashley, and let me tell you, she's just getting started, even with that very long list. And um, I'm honored to call her a friend, and she's inspired me in so many ways over the years that I've known her now. So with that, Ashley, welcome to the One Program Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. It's a real honor and privilege to be here with you. Oh, it just makes sense that I get to share this platform with you to reach other people because I've seen the difference you make in others. I've heard you speak and I've seen the room as people are listening to you and I've seen you reach in and touch people's hearts. I don't know if you've seen it the same way. It's kind of an advantage point when you're an observer, how you actually get to see that in a room. But we all need that. That's the thing. This isn't something like, oh, you know, that message doesn't pertain to me. The things that you talk about around grief and hope and resiliency and leadership, I think all of us need to hear. 
and it's a beautiful fit with what we want to do with the One Program podcast. So I'm just grateful that you've joined us today. Yeah, thank you so much. And I just want to say ever since the day we met a couple of years ago, I just knew there was going to be such synergy and connection between us. And you have helped me so much through my business, the Grief and Trauma Healing Center, and being able to really elevate my purpose and all the hopes and dreams that I have for the future of our business and just being able to reach more people. So thank you for the impact you've had on my life. Oh my gosh, that's that's so humbling to hear, (laughs) but thank you for that, right? And I, you know, I think it matters that we see one another. And, you know, a big thing that I've been saying over the past year, really, as we've been moving forward with the one book and now the one program podcast is that simple phrase, I believe in you. And those words, when they really reach in and someone feels validated and seen and heard, it goes so far, right? It makes such a difference. Um, And so it's just been such a pleasure to stand back and watch you on your journey. And I can only imagine where you're going to go with this, but that's just so exciting to be a witness to. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Of course. Okay, so we know where you are right now and how you're creating these magical big things in the world. But how did you get here? Because, you know, I think in these situations, people from the outside looking in, they can appreciate all of that success and all of that growth. But then they wonder, well, how? And, you know, is that for just certain people or could anyone attain that level of success? And it can be intimidating, let's be honest. It can be um, something that some people want to compete with, unfortunately. Of course, I want to dispel all of that. We're always stronger together. But I think a great way to convey what, what it's taken to get you here is to just walk through your journey. So tell us a little bit about where it all began and what those key milestones have been for you. So this is such a great question, and I don't really know where to start. There's so much I could share, but I would say getting started with my business, the Grief and Trauma Healing Center, um, that was in 2013, but going back a couple of years before that, um, in 2009, so I was 22 years old at that time, my dad had relapsed into alcohol and cocaine addiction after five years of sobriety. That was the longest period of sobriety I'd ever seen in my dad. And by this time, I was getting a little bit older. We had a really beautiful relationship as a young adult. And my dad was my absolute everything, Kristen, my best friend, truly. So when he relapsed, it was life-crushing. My dad was a very impulsive alcoholic and drug user. And so I knew that this was not going to be good. And so it was this path of self-destruction that I was witnessing, and I was so afraid he wouldn't survive that relapse. So it was about a year and a half of hell watching him self-destruct, and I had really, truly done everything in my control and power to try to help him and save him. Mm -hmm. And then um, November 26, 2010, my dad died by suicide which was the absolute worst nightmare come to pass for me. And in those you know, early days and weeks, I realized how ill-equipped I was to deal with my grief 
And ironically, I was a second year graduate student at the time studying to be a psychologist, something that I knew I wanted to be since I was 11 years old. Probably as a result, a lot of of the childhood um, trauma and just experiences that I had Mm -hmm. uh, around my dad's addiction. So a second year grad student and felt felt totally ill-equipped. And I thought that I would be surrounded by all the people that would know how to help me. Mm -hmm. But instead, I learned that they also didn't have any tools. So I sort of threw myself into school and work and kept busy and just tried to distract myself from my pain. And then I graduated school, uh, went on to become a psychologist, went through that whole process. And then magically... Um, this thing sort of unfolded where all these grieving people were being referred to work with me. Mm. And I really felt my heart come alive in this work. And it was like this connection that I couldn't put words to. It was this connection that they knew the pain and isolation and loneliness that I felt. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because I wasn't equipped, I didn't really know how to help them. Mm -hmm. So I started to do some research on the internet and I came across a program called the grief recovery method and I fell in love with the philosophy I read all the ebooks and I signed up for this training because I knew it was going to be helpful for my clients so what I really didn't prepare myself for is what that four-day training actually entailed Mm -hmm. so the first two and a half days of the training were personal work so I actually had to walk through whoa Yeah, so a program that's typically over seven or eight weeks, or I would walk my clients over three Mm -hmm. months, was in two and a half days. Oh, my gosh. So I bawled my eyes out for two and a half Mm -hmm. days, and I took these actions to complete what was unfinished in my relationship with my dad. And it was the most transformative experience of my life, so much so that the very next day after finishing that training – I went to the business registry's office and started my business, the Grief and Trauma Healing Center. The very next day. Literally the very next day. Oh my gosh. So how I came into business, I would say, is maybe different than how others would go into Mm -hmm. business. There was no forethought. There was no um, planning or strategy. It was really, I felt called to share this program with others and hope that they would have that same transformative experience that I had. And that's literally how it started. Oh my gosh. And like I'm just lighting up here with all of these dots connecting. And of course I know the backstory, you know, a little bit, but hearing it again, it's so powerful. I don't think I realized it was the very next day. But you know, the typical business journey where you have an idea or, you know, you've created something and you want to bring it to market. There's research, there's testing. You know, there's maybe a bit of learning or courses that you have to take. Sure, that's kind of similar. But, you know, usually there's a heck of a lot more planning that goes into it. And I work with clients who have to now go back and reconnect or even rediscover their why. Why did they begin to begin, you know, yes. in, the, in the starting point? And yet, if you have that figured out, this is proof positive. If you have your why figured out, and it's aligned with who you are and what your values are, the rest is easy. 
right? Absolutely. I could not agree more. You know, and I mean, you've heard me talk about your, your foundational five. You've got to have your vision, your mission, your values, your goals, your purpose. And it, it is the blueprint for your entire business. But here you were with a personal story, a personal connection. You saw a void in the marketplace. Clearly, there wasn't the right tool mm-hmm. or method accessible to people who will all universally experience grief, being human. You saw the opportunity to help others. That was your why. It aligned. Boom. You didn't need the time to create the business plan. Exactly. I felt my why, and at that time, I didn't even know what that meant. What is a purpose? What is a why? But as I reflect, it was, I don't want anybody to feel the way that I felt when my dad died. Yeah. The, the shame, the isolation, the pain, that sense of um, not knowing where to turn or what tools are available. Uh, I didn't want anyone to go through that. And that is truly what has what inspired me then and continues to inspire me even nine years later. Wow. And nine years. So let's just think about that for a minute, friends. Nine years that Ashley has been out there helping people work through what we all have to go through at some point, multiple times in our lives in a place where there hasn't been something, and I mean, really meaningful, not, you know, geez, what do I say to someone who is grieving? Or how do I journal my feelings out of this? Or, you know, there's lots of strategies on coping with grief. Absolutely. But a methodical, well thought out, well researched program that step by step can walk you through that journey and give you life skills. Because here's the thing with grief. It doesn't just go away. This is something that will stay with you for the rest of your life. And so having a a very tailored program to work through all of that and have a toolkit to accompany you on that journey is huge. Something that every single one of us should have, right? And you've experienced what it was like without having that. And now you get to see people really transform their lives by having that. And I just think nine years already how many lives have you touched oh yeah and I mean when I started I sort of had this this um this idea that if I can just touch one life Mm -hmm. just one life and then one more life and one more life it was like hey I've done my work like I just one broken heart at a time and that became a part of our vision statement eventually when we started to work with you Kristen a couple of years ago it's that idea of one broken heart at a time and it just grew into something so much bigger than I had ever anticipated or even to be honest even desired Mm -hmm. and I think that's the power of being of service and um, listening to that call in your heart and uh, for me being a person of faith It's just continuing to surrender to God and say like, hey, God, wherever you want me to go, I Mm -hmm. will go. And even though sometimes it's scary and it's hard and it's painful, it still feels worth it. Oh, my gosh. So many like business lessons just in that alone. So one healing one heart at a time. I mean, in my language, that translates to the power of one. That is the one book. That is the one program in that we get overwhelmed because we think we have to solve all the problems we have to you know climb the mountain we have to do it all and if we don't have a plan for it then you know why would we bother or we get deterred that overwhelm gets in the way again and again and again and here it is the power of one has truly been a secret of your success 
And isn't that interesting, friends? Because you don't have to have it all figured out. Absolutely not. You don't. You start with one. How could you make a difference with one person? Yes. How could you get your your one product to market? How could you get your one first store open? Whatever that is. You start with that power of one. Combine it with your why. And you work through that curiosity and that fear and that unknown. Lean into your faith. Lean into your intuition. Lean into your people. Yes. You are not alone right? You're surrounded. And look look at the formula that it adds up to being. And here we have Ashley, who's seen such growth and such success on this journey already. And could it be that simple? I mean, yes. Yes. Like, you know, people often ask, like, how do you make decisions? Mm-hmm. How do you do this? And, and I'm always very transparent that it's does does the decision align with our purpose and our vision, our mission, our values? Does it feel, do I have a peace in my heart about this, right? Does this align with going way back to the beginning mm-hmm. when it was, you know, just me mm-hmm. and my handful of clients? And if it does, then we do it. And if it doesn't, then we don't do it, right? And, and I've never really had my ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I surprise myself at, like, um, how I've grown and scaled this business. And sometimes I wonder, I'm like, was it me who did this? Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just, it has seemed so organic. Although, like, like you know, Kristen, there's been a number of dark seasons that I've um, been through with the mm-hmm. business as well. Um, and I also have to, to give praise to my higher power as well because... I'm not sure I could do all of this on my own. Right. Well, and that's, again, we're not alone. We don't have to be alone. Yeah. You know, whether that's through your faith or, like I say, through your intuition, through your people, surround yourself with people. What was this quote I saw the other day? Surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when you enter the room. I love that so much. And it just, it says so much, right? You know that they're in the room for the right reason. Um, you know that there's an opening for a connection, not just for them to support and help you, but they're going to be more willing to accept your hand of help also, which is the most beautiful kind of relationship to have when it can be two ways. So, you know, I love that where this is all sort of going is that it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, I had all this money to just throw at an idea and make it successful. Or I took this program and it changed everything. And now I was seen as an expert and I was able to, No, it was something that touched your heart. It was a program where you saw that it was fulfilling a void. And you had the vision to bring it to the masses and bring it to more people. And when we talk about growth, right? So your first center, when did you open the doors for the first grief and trauma healing center? What year was that? So that was 2013. 2013. And number two just opened this year. Yeah, so we've we've been on quite a journey. So mm-hmm. I started out like many people do, just subleasing right. a space, and mm-hmm. and then eventually we ended up in our own office space. We grew out of that very quickly. Opened up our most current office space in the Capilano area, and and then we opened our second location in South Edmonton in the Orchards in August. That's amazing, right? And that's a very short time period to grow to that scale. It's basically a doubling of your business, friends. Like, that's that's huge. And, you know, the demand is there, which is one thing. You know, people could say, oh, well, sure, there's always going to be a demand for this sort of thing. Yes, but referrals and repeat clients 
and building that community, that's the marker of a healthy growing business. That takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of commitment and blood, sweat and tears. And so I know a lot of that has gone into this as well. And a big part of that I see from the outside looking in has been your leadership and the amazing team that you have assembled. So tell us a little bit about how leadership has played into your success. Oh, thank you. That's it's really kind. Um, I've, again, it's one of those things that you don't really prepare for and you don't just, okay, I'm, I have a strategy for becoming a leader. Mm-hmm. It's for me, it's always been leading with vulnerability and authenticity and being myself and and love and service and humility being really key values um, in my leadership. So whether we're a team of two or a team of 28, which we are now, um, showing up in that space. So that has been absolutely key for me and just keeping myself grounded, but also being the example for others that I know when I started this business, who I wanted to be and how I was going to show up for my clients and also the perception from from others in the community. So leading with my story and being willing to share those those bits with me um, with others has been really key. So I've just done that. Mm-hmm. And what has evolved is we've ended up attracting people, psychologists and social workers and mental health therapists and students who are just like that, mm-hmm. that really value mm-hmm. those same qualities. And we now have also an interview process that helps us to get um, to get to know our applicants very quickly to make sure that they are fit for our values and our vision. Mm-hmm. And it's just been so beautiful to witness. Wow. And you know, it's it's magical because what you're sh- what you're sharing today around leadership is almost counterintuitive to everything that we think we've been taught, right? You know, to be a leader, you need to be, sometimes the loudest person in the room or the one that's willing to just go in like a bull in a china shop and make the big decisions and you know be confident I hear this a lot where people are like oh I don't have the confidence to step into a leadership role yet or I don't think that's for me I'm not a a confident kind of person and the first thing that comes to my mind is well a confidence happens in hindsight so it's after you do something yes. really scary when you're like, oh, okay, now I'm feeling more confident. Yes. So if you're waiting around for the confidence, friends, <clears throat> you're going to be waiting a long time and probably never get started. But it's it was through being a servant leader. 100%. <clears throat> yes, and still to this day, like being willing to do the things that I don't necessarily need to do anymore. Like Mm -hmm. go in and help clean the office and take the garbage out and, um, you know, buy gifts for the team and just show up, check Mm -hmm. in and never, and nothing ever being beneath me Mm -hmm. is so important. Yes. And recognizing that there's no way we would have the impact we have without every single one of our teammates Mm -hmm. from, from our administrative team and the like, Gosh, what an what an important role they play in being that first touch with the community, mm-hmm. and then of course our clinicians that are just honestly the most brilliant, kind, um, compassionate human beings on this planet. And I'm just so glad that they they see the value in committing to this vision, mm-hmm. and it's something we can do together. That mm-hmm. you know, I'm just one person, yeah, but with such a large team, we can make such a huge impact. Isn't that the truth? Like, for example, 
you know, when I started and I had a very small caseload, it was like, you know, maybe five sessions a week. We are doing like we did like over 725 sessions this month. Wow. Holy. Like just think of the ripples right there. Yes. And we served over, I think it was like over 445 individual clients this month. Wow. And I just think, my gosh, when I had five clients and now here we are making this impact and just the the unique skill set that each therapist brings and the experience and the compassion. I'm just, I, I'm often just so overwhelmed. I have to pinch myself. Mm-hmm. How do you process that, right? When you put numbers to it and you actually start quantifying it and you pull yourself out of the doing and you sort of like look objectively at everything that is happening and you see your team doing it. And it's not a situation where like your team, it's not that they're, they're being led and following direction. They're, they're being led and following their hearts because they, they buy into the heart-centered nature of your business, your values, the vision you've created. And it's so much easier when you have a team that buys into that versus, you know, they're there for the paycheck or they're there for the resume building or all of those other incentives, right, as to why people work in your industry. I mean, people will sense that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I think what is so key as a business owner and as a leader and you and you wanting to grow your impact is to be so clear on your purpose and your vision mm-hmm. and um, just sort of inspiring that connection with the people who work for you and work with you so they can feel connected to something bigger than themselves mm-hmm. and not just I'm going to clock in and clock out. You can do that anywhere. Absolutely. You know, what is it about your business that makes it special and unique and have just some depth, mm-hmm. depth to it? Yes. And I imagine in this work, you have to have that because, I mean, it's not easy to be in a room talking with someone session after session, going through some of these really hard conversations, right? How do you, obviously there's ways to, to deal with that yourself as a professional, um, but it's, you know, speaking as a former registered nurse, seeing some really tough stuff, as many walls as you put up and as many professional boundaries as you know you have to create, you still, you still take some, some stuff home in your heart. But you come back the next day and you show up and you do it all over again and you're professional and you, you keep going, right? So to be nurtured, it means so much as a team member to be nurtured and kept safe and, and when you know that you're valued, these things add up especially in this environment. Absolutely. I think our our most important asset is our our people. Mm-hmm. And we have to prioritize our people first. I'm such a people first leader mm-hmm. and business owner even when we've been through some really really hard times just financially years mm-hmm. ago. It was n- it was something I still never wavered on. Yeah. It was nothing I sacrificed. Um and we lead from a very sort of attachment-based lens as a leadership team in how we nurture our relationships and prioritize them. And we're always finding the small ways and those you know small and consistent ways to nurture and stay connected and make sure everybody feels seen and valued mm-hmm. because they are. Mm-hmm. They matter and we need them. Yeah. And I love the authenticity with that. It's not like it's a, a checklist or a to-do thing. And sometimes in leadership... I mean, I've done leadership coaching. There are checklists. Hey, have you considered, you know, are you expressing emotional intelligence today and in what ways? 
right? And some people are starting from a place where they don't have those skills yet or they haven't had that experience yet. So it's a reminder. But the goal is to get it to the to the point where it's just intuitive. It's just very natural and very authentic. And it's just how you show up. Even on your worst days, you still just show up with that value of people. And I think it uh, it definitely shows in the success of businesses that I've worked with, that authentic leadership, that comfort in your own shoes. Like this feels right. I don't have to put on different shoes when I walk into the office. This is just me. And I'm comfortable with that. And I accept that I'm fallible, just like the people I work with. But together, we're stronger. And I see it. I see it just in spades with you. And I love that you're helping other practices get off the ground and do the very same thing. So tell me a little bit about that. What does that consultancy work look like for you? Oh my gosh, it's been so much fun, Kristen. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing because it's a different way to apply that same sense of purpose and service Mm -hmm. and helping others. So so I work with um, psychologists and therapists all over Canada and the U.S. that are either kind of just starting in private practice as a solopreneur or they're getting ready to start a group practice or they're a, or a small group practice owner. And they're looking to implement systems to make their businesses more efficient, which is a lot of fun mm-hmm. because there's so many things I've learned over the years, what works, what doesn't work, what things to avoid. So I really love the the kind of head part of the business, the systems, and then also helping them to discover their why, their purpose, why they started this in the first place. What's that thing that's going to inspire them when things get hard? Yeah. And helping them to get clear on their values and their vision and their mission. And then just that kind of what's the story they want to share with the community about who they are what's their unique value proposition Mm -hmm. what makes them stand out from from others in the community that might be offering similar services and what's been so beautiful about that and refreshing is firstly they've been so open to exploring that more vulnerable heart side of their business and them connecting to losses in their life, which I never anticipated, Kristen, going into this, how grief has played such a role. So two two of my consulting clients, two of my clients discovered that there was a loss in their life. One was the death of a child. One was the death of a parent that actually inspired them to want to be of service to others, but they never made that connection. Instead, it was very, well, this is a business and I have to show up a certain way and stick myself in a certain box. And what they both did is they ended up actually changing like their website, talking about their story, um, their specialty areas, including getting trained in the grief recovery method, which is so Mm -hmm. amazing for Mm -hmm. me. And wanting to step into the grief space. Wow. Yes. The ripples are even further than you thought they were going to go. Yes. I just, I had one of my clients who's also a person of faith. We had a good laugh that God is still using those parts in me, Mm -hmm. even in the consulting work around grief and helping people heal from loss and going out into the world and helping others. And that's what's so exciting for me is Mm. I get to be a part of this therapist's journey, and then they get to go and help hundreds of people that I'll never know. That's right. Yeah. 
And that's leadership, right? That's a beautiful part of leadership. And you don't always get to know where the ripples are going to land or the impact that they're going to make. But you're just casting stones, even little pebbles here and there. And that's going first. That's reaching out. That's showing a little courage. That's serving others and helping them dig into their why. And I love that you mentioned story. You've you've said it a few times. And storytelling is a big part of the one book. It's actually one of the six habits that the book tries to help you build up just to make things easier in life. And this is why. Because the power of our story is going to, first of all, validate you and cement you in your purpose, in your vision, in your values. But it's also how you communicate your services, your offering, what makes you special and unique in business to your potential clients and customers. Yes. Storytelling is so much more than just a feel-good exercise. Yes, it can feel good. It's a way of conveying knowledge. It's more importantly, um, a way for us to connect. Yes. 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 With our clinical team and with myself, I always think about what are people going to hear when you speak that's going to connect them back to themselves where they say, I see myself in that person's story. And I think that's how you build trust. Mm -hmm. Because it's safety. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we can, yeah, we can identify that connection and then it's safe to go forward and, and actually make more of a deeper connection. Exactly. And I heard this on a podcast a couple months ago and it really stuck with me. I know that you'll, you'll align with it too, Kristen. I can't remember who it was. But this person said, people have to believe that we believe in what we're doing. Mm. And so when I think about the grief recovery method, when I went out and I was like, I'm going to change the world Mm -hmm. with this program, it's like, you know, people trusted to work with me because I believed in what I was doing. It wasn't a sales pitch. It wasn't trying, how many people can I win over? It was, here's something that changed my life and I want to share that gift with you. And I look at how it's changed me. Mm-hmm. And people are like, okay, give me that. I want what you have. Yes. And I think that's so key in our success as business owners, whatever we're doing. Agreed. And, you know, I love that. It's, um, it creates that almost like a magnetic sort of feel. Like people are curious about, you know, oh, she really does believe in this and she's really passionate about it. And so I think the takeaway lesson here is for anyone who's, you know, if you've ever held back some of your passion or your enthusiasm for a topic, or if you've hesitated around making that Instagram post that really put your story out there or your opinion um, for fear of judgment or, you know, being rejected, just remember it's that authenticity that will be like a magnet and draw in the right people. And this is the challenge, right? Because in business, sometimes it's tempting to put out the shotgun approach and just get as many people interested as possible. And then hopefully the right ones will just sort of float to the top and those are the ones you'll get to work with. It's a huge waste of time, money, and energy to do that. Whereas if you can just authentically put yourself out there and people can then self-identify if they're a match, then you work to build that connection with them. It's targeted, it's focused, it's meaningful, it's authentic, it's long-lasting. And this is where those relationships go so much deeper. Yes. And you can just be yourself. Just be yourself, which is always easier than trying to be something else. 100%. Yeah. 
when I stepped into the, into the consulting space, I totally had imposter syndrome. I was like, who am I? What do I know about business? Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of feelings people can relate to. And I just committed to myself that if, if God has called me to this space, I'm just going to show up and be me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always remind myself I'm here to serve. Right. I'm just here to serve and give. And it's been so remarkable and so... Um, it's just been such a pleasant surprise and delight wow. in this space. And it feels just like all the other work I do. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit different. And that's how I know it's right and it's aligned. Wow. And again, you're helping people, you know, one person at a time or one business at a time. But that's all it takes. You don't have to measure all the ripples after that. You know, just, you know, you talk about your two clients that were able to work some of through some of their own grief and how that led them down another path. You know, I can see it in your eyes. Like, that's enough, right? That was success for you. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I quit. Yes. Like, <laughs> if I if I die today, I've done my work. Yes. And I, I love that because we talk a lot about success in the one program and how society has framed it in terms of a bank account balance or a retirement age or the number of vacations we take or the car we drive or, you know, so much of it is tied to that financial side of things, which I think is a just a bunch of BS because there's so much more to life and so many measures we can look at. And that's not how we're going to be remembered. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be the impact that we made. It's going to be the energy we brought into the room or the way we made someone feel, not the number of people even, but, you know, the intensity of what someone felt by an interaction with us. I mean, that in in so many ways is what success can be. Yes. Right? And it takes humility, I think, to see success in that way. But when you do, suddenly the competition melts away. You know, that imposter syndrome of who am I to be doing this kind of melts away. Because you're here to be present and you're here for a purpose and that's enough. Yes. And the thing is, and what I've learned on my journey is once you have all of those things that you think are going to make you happy and make you feel different, they don't. Right. It's like it's there's, you know, a sense of pleasure and excitement over something new, but then that quickly goes away. And so connecting to something bigger than yourself, having a purpose that makes you want to hop out of bed in the morning and know that you're impacting someone's life. And you can do that in so many different industries and areas like that gives so much more fulfillment than any amount of money mm-hmm. ever will. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I started the Hope Campaign in honor of my dad's 10-year anniversary of his death. Right. And I was having some thoughts this morning, Kristen, about that, how, and I've been saying this to my husband and even some of my teammates, like with the Hope Campaign coming up this year and what we're doing for Little Warriors, honestly, nothing satisfies my heart more Nothing brings me more joy and makes me feel more alive than um, bringing awareness to nonprofit organizations that are doing amazing work in the community and raising money for them and advocating for them. And I'm like, I literally Mm. get nothing out of this. I get no financial gain and I spend a whole lot of time Mm -hmm. and effort working on this. But it's so incredible. Right. And how do you measure that as a success, right? You know, and it's it's the feeling that you have. It's the, the people's faces that you see and the light in their eyes. Yes. And knowing that you're contributing to something bigger and outside of yourself. 
Yeah. That's huge. And so this is the second year of the Hope Campaign. This is our third, third annual. Oh, my gosh. I, I lost a year in there. Can you believe three years? No. Oh, my gosh. So three years you've been doing this. And every year the goal has gotten a little bit higher in terms yes. of fundraising efforts. And tell us a little bit about the beneficiary of this year's campaign. So this year, our goal is to raise over $20,000 for Little Warriors, which is a, a charitable national organization that that provides treatment for children who've been sexually abused. And I have to share a quick story around the power of community. Um, so one step back. So when I started the Hope Campaign, again, it was a very organic, no plan, no strategy, no idea what I'm doing, but I wanted to... Uh, bring hope and healing to the community in a different way and also honor my dad's memory. Yeah. So the Hope Campaign was born. So um, a couple, uh, two hours after I launched the Hope Campaign this year, I'd reached out to a group. This person does want to remain anonymous, but I wish I could tell the world mm-hmm. who this person is. I reached out to a group to tell them about our Hope Branch and raising money, and our goal was $10,000. So this individual private messaged me and offered to pay the $10,000. And now this person has since donated another $102,000 to Little Warriors. What? Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, covered in goosebumps as you're saying this. So by simply bringing awareness to the community about the Little Warriors, about my personal connection to them, my dad being an adult survivor of child sexual abuse who Mm -hmm. died by suicide, um, this person was so touched, had no idea who Little Warriors was, what they did, but is a philanthropist in the community. And so now this person is going to be connected to them for life. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yes, over $100,000 donated. And I'm like, well, I'm done. So I'll just cancel (laughs) the Hope campaign. We don't need to do it. Um, But like that is what, like just knowing how many children's lives Mm -hmm. will be changed and how many lives will be saved. Yes. Um, because of this person uh, is just the power of one. Yes. The power of one. Yet again. And, you know, the other thing I really want to highlight here is that you have taken really the darkest experience in your life and transformed it into so many ways to spread love and light in this world. And the Hope Campaign is just one. And like you said, you didn't have a plan. You didn't have a big picture goal. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to try. And, you know, I think that philosophy of if it helps one local charity a little bit, that's enough. That's great. And then we'll go from there. And here we are year three. And you're talking about an organization that makes such an impact, you know, to such a vulnerable population and brings the right resources in the right timing, in the right way. And all you had to do was talk about it and raise awareness, one action, and look at what you've been able to help facilitate. That is so powerful. And so again, if anyone who is listening right now is hesitating about speaking up about something they believe in or a cause that matters to them or to tell their story, don't hesitate. Don't wait for the plan. Don't wait for the confidence. Don't wait to feel successful because the world's waiting for you and you need to show up and be present and you can create those ripples too. 100%. Just start. Just start. Yes. And isn't that easier? Right? And so the power of one, it's all about how do we make things easier? And we usually just overcomplicate it and then it gets overwhelming and now it's hard. And then we slow down, we stall or we stop. And and that's where we don't reach our goals. 
no matter what your business is, no matter if you're out there, you know, serving people in, in a way that Ashley is, or if, if you're making things with your hands and selling them at markets, or, you know, if, if you're a business consultant, if you are a photographer, whatever it is, all of those streams have the same ability to just try and go and find success on their own path. But you have to carve it. You have to just try, get curious, and put one foot in front of the other. It's the only way. Exactly. And just be willing to be flexible and pivot Mm -hmm. and, you know, tolerate those ups and downs because they will come. But if you are clear on what you're being called to do, it does make it so much easier to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is a tough question. I'm totally putting you on the spot. But if anybody is listening right now and saying, but I don't know what my why is yet. Do you have even one little bit of advice or something they could ask themselves that might help get them closer to figuring out what their why is? Because we know it's so important. We know it's like the first domino of what your success has been. How do we figure out what our why is? Yeah, that's such a great question. I would say, you know, is there something that motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. Is there something in your life that really makes you come alive when you're doing it or you're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And when you think about sharing that gift or that thing with the world, it just lights you up. Mm -hmm. I know that's what the grief work did for me. It was, I felt alive. I felt called. I didn't maybe know exactly what that looked like or how I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, And it also felt very authentic. Right. It wasn't trying to be someone I wasn't or try to be like someone else or stick myself in a box. Um, it was really something that I still get excited about when I wake up. Yes. And so it's sustainable. So you know, like it stood the test of time. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Like you have to have that thing. Um, So when things feel precarious or scary or the future is uncertain and I've been there, um, it can carry you through. Mm -hmm. And I think that why is also always in service of others. Mm -hmm. Well, for sure, because it's outside of oneself, you know, and we as human beings are a part of a system and even a broader system beyond our, our earthly system, right? So, you know, it has to be something more than just what's for in it for us there has to be something tied to others as well I think that's just how the world works right I think what people get confused by in business is they say the why is well I want to make a lot of money mm-hmm. you know that's I'm that can be a product of your purpose and your yeah. why but it should never ever be the goal Absolutely. And it's it's not something that's always sustainable. And exactly. it's, you know, it's not something that's going to be fulfilling with the heart as much as it would the head. And as whole human beings, we need things to satisfy all of us. You know, and just rewinding a little bit, you know, you were talking about um, when you knew what your why was, you didn't really know the how. And I think it's important to separate the why and the how out a little bit. Because having a why can be very scary if you don't have the how. And yet the only way to figure that out is to lean into the why and get curious and start trying things on and exploring and asking questions. The how will present itself. And there's never one answer to the how. That's the other thing. I find sometimes that holds people back. 
because they're like, well, there's there's the best way to do it, and I have to find the right way and make it the best decision or the one decision. There's lots of hows, lots of hows. Well, I think people want to avoid the vulnerability, mm-hmm. the vulnerability of not knowing, of not having their ducks in a row, of making mistakes, of failing. So a lot of people just don't get started. Mm-hmm. And I love Dr. Brene Brown's quote, you have to build the plane while you're flying it. Yeah. And that is how I've sort of done things yeah. <laughs> over the last nine years is you do have to figure it out as you go. Yes. I mean, it sounds really scary and not that reassuring <laughs> because it's like, yeah, but then that doesn't feel safe. You know, that feels like it's it's high risk. It feels like I could fall out of the plane while I'm trying to build it and fly it at the same time. <laughs> But it's truly the, it's, it is the way. So if you're feeling a little bit lost because you don't have all the answers, well, guess what? You're in the right club because that's Absolutely. how we all feel. Absolutely. And to just be open about that and find a community that where you do feel safe, where you can show up authentically, where you can talk about the highs, the lows, the struggles, ask the questions, get support. Like having strong women around me and women in business has been so key because I'm reminded that I'm not alone. Because even I sometimes feel like, gosh, I'm on this lonely island Mm -hmm. and no one understands me. Yeah. And people might think they look into my life and they think whatever they think, not realizing that, you know, maybe I'm really struggling. That's right. So having a community around me is just it's so reassuring and validating. Absolutely. And that is the heart of business that I just want to keep illuminating. There's so much of the head that we have to engage, whether it's numbers and planning and forecasting and strategy and all of that. That's great. Yes. Right. But don't be afraid to tap into your heart strength as well and, and letting that lead you. And, and that can be a very vulnerable feeling. But that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that's where it, that's where it is. It's that scary pool. That's where all the magic happens. Absolutely. And I think that's also where our resiliency mm. is strengthened. It's in those dark seasons, in those moments of fear and uncertainty where the transformative power lives. Mm-hmm. That's how we become resilient. Well, and I'd love to get your take on that through the grief lens being your specialty, right? And uh, through your own experience, through helping others and witnessing it, how how do we become more resilient through fear, grief, disappointment, failure? How does why does that make us more resilient? What's your take on that? We have to be willing to allow ourselves to feel the pain of that loss or that experience or that event, and and instead of running from it. And trying to fix it. Sometimes we can't, especially if, you know, someone we love dies. Yeah. There's nothing we can do to fix that loss. So leaning into it, feeling, surrendering to it, mm-hmm. like that has been so key for me. And um, being a person of faith, really surrendering that to God mm-hmm. and just saying, like, this is bigger than me. And I don't even say, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I need help. Yeah. And um, there's so much learning and growth that comes in those experiences. And then as we find our way out of those pits mm-hmm. and we, you know, pick ourselves up off the floor and all of the puddle of tears, um, that's where, you know, mm-hmm. that's where that resilience and that grit comes from is, K. again, one, just one foot in front of the other, 
just for today. I remember like this was like five years ago. Things were really hard in the business. My husband had just retired from his career. He gave up his six-figure salary to be a stay-at-home dad. And I had to try and make it work at home, pay our bills, get keep my business running. Like the pressure was high. And there were moments where like I didn't know if our rent was going to be paid at the office or if our mortgage would get paid. It was so stressful, Kristen. Mm -hmm. And I remember praying to God and saying, Jesus, give me my daily bread. Mm -hmm. Just like I can't even think about tomorrow because it's so overwhelming. But I just need to know today that I've got a roof over my head. We've got food in the fridge. My family's safe. We're alive. And I'm just going to keep showing up to the work. Yeah. And that was like several months of just today, mm-hmm. <laughs> give me my daily bread. Yeah. And um, and that, I think, was the mo- one of the more painful journeys, but one of the most important lessons that I've learned in my life. And I know God had to take me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just, yeah, it's just grown my character so much. Mm-hmm. And now being in a place where I'm not worrying about if my bills are going to get paid today, but never forgetting where I came from and the journey of getting here. Absolutely. And I just, I, it's so, it just feels so real and authentic that we can, we can probably all go back to a place in our memories where it was really hard and we had to take it one day at a time. You know, I think about some of the grief experiences I've had. It was in some cases, one minute at a time, you know, and how do I breathe through this moment to get on to the next 60 seconds? And, uh, and sometimes that's what we have to do. Again, that power of one, get through the one day, get through that one hour, that one minute in those really tough times. But as you do, and you take those one steps forward, you build up that resiliency and things start to get a little bit easier and you're a little bit more prepared for the next time or, you know, another wave or another experience and they come, there's always going to be the downs when there are ups, right? So yes. And to be an active participant in the journey. Oh, I love that. I think it's so easy for us. We can succumb to our circumstances or we can make a choice. Mm-hmm. Am I going to like, what am I going to do in this situation? And that's just, you know, so many times I've wanted to give up mm-hmm. <laughs> in life and business mm-hmm. and Instead of giving up, it's like, hey, what are my choices? How am I going to show up today? And how can I be of service to others? You keep coming back to that, hey? Yes. Like, it's so powerful. It's just a, like almost a mantra to you. How do I serve others? How do I serve others today when it's hard? How do I serve others when things are great and going the way I want it to? It's It just seems like it's on repeat for you. And that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I've never thought of it like that. Oh. But, but yes, it's just what can I give? Mm-hmm. And um, knowing that... Uh, generosity, right? You sow generosity, you reap generosity. Mm -hmm. And I know the Bible speaks about that. And so I've just been, that's such a huge part of my faith is how can this go wrong Mm -hmm. if I'm here for others and knowing that like God will take care of it. Yeah. And he has. (laughs) It's working out. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, this has been such an enlightening conversation. And I always feel I feel like doing more and doing doing better out there on my day and my week and my month ahead every time I talk to you, Ashley. So I have no doubt that others are going to feel that after listening into our conversation today. It's just, it's pure magic. I just love it. So um, what I'm going to do is turn it over to my rapid fire questions that I like to end all of the interviews, interviews on. Um, so it's, you know, quick answers, but to the point. And usually that's where we get straight from the heart, right? The head, the head doesn't have time to fully engage. So the heart's answer pops out. Um, but, uh, I'm going to just run through them right now and see what your answers are going to be. 
So we talk a lot about the overwhelm with the one book and the one theory, but what does the overwhelm look like for you? Too many irons in the fire, mm-hmm. committing to too many things at once. Absolutely, which is just really easy to do. <laughs> I know it well. Um, what is one thing that you do to prevent or overcome the overwhelm? Delegate. Ooh, good answer, which is tricky to do sometimes, especially if you start out as a solopreneur and you've got to venture out into a team world. Yes, and I know I need to hire an assistant. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I'm at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, friends. <laughs> uh, she's asking for help, which doesn't surprise me. She's incredibly humble, but uh, probably one of the best people to work with, too. So Thank you. Um, sounds like an opportunity to me. Um, next question. What does gratitude mean to you? Gratitude means finding God's peace and joy in in any moment and those opportunities where you feel most alive so powerful and lastly what is one thing that you are feeling gratitude for today well i'm definitely feeling gratitude for you Kristen, being here with you speaking on your platform and just everything you've done to impact my life personally and how you've helped our business and the direction um, with your business strategy and coaching has just been just absolutely incredible knowing you and working with you. So thank you. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you for that. I'm going to have to put a caveat on that one and say, not me, something else. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, I will say, though, um, as much as I'm going to be out there telling people I believe in them, I need to hear it, too. We all do. And that reciprocal relationship is what deepens our relationships and our connections. And together we rise. So thank you very much for those very kind words. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to bear witness and support you any way that I can. And I'm just loving watching you fly. And I know even through this platform, you're going to reach more people. Um, And, you know, if they haven't heard about uh, your business, if they haven't heard about your services, how can people reach out and maybe access the supports that your team offers? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. So people can find us online, healmyheart.ca. They can follow us on Instagram. Me personally, the Ashley Belke. Um, Our Instagram for work is at Grief and Trauma Healing Center. And I mean, people can reach out to me anytime. I'd be happy to connect. Awesome. And reach out to me too, because I'll send you right to her. Done it before. I'll keep doing it. And we're going to have all of this in the show notes as well. So Thank you so much, Ashley, for your time today and for spreading some love and light. We appreciate you so, so much. Um, And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And I do hope that you're going to take any ounce of goodness that you've you've gathered from this conversation today. And I hope that you're going to pay it forward because that's that's how the way the way of the world, that's how it's going to work. And that's how we're going to continue to elevate one another. So I'll leave you with that, friends. But stay tuned. We'll be back again with another One Program podcast soon. Bye for now.